Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Okay, you probably already know by now, but after careful evaluation of the current situation in Los Angeles County and the restrictions and requirements that would have been necessary to hold CanMed 2021 in September, our management team has made the difficult decision to reschedule the event for May 3rd through 5th, 2022. This was not an easy decision to make. It's been almost two years since we had a live CanMed event. But everyone, including the conference organizers, our sponsors, and the presenters, strongly believe that in order for CanMed to be a success, it must take place in a comfortable, collaborative environment. And that's just not possible during these uncomfortable and restrictive times. So we will press on. We will continue to bring you new podcasts every other week. We will continue to interact with the CanMed community on our Facebook group. And we will continue to share all the great CanMed presentation videos that are in our free, searchable CanMed archive on all of our social media channels. You can find links to all those great resources in the show description. And also, if you have not signed up for email alerts yet, you really should. That is the best way to stay up to date with all the updates around the CanMed conference delivered right to your inbox. All right, on to today's guest. I had the pleasure of speaking with Evelyn Alvarez, the Quality Assurance Director at Encore Labs. Evelyn has 10 years of experience working on analytical instrumentation and in regulated lab environments, including work on EPA and OSHA methods. She received a degree in environmental science with research experience on pesticides. Evelyn was recently quoted in a Refinery29 article that revealed an unfortunate element of the unregulated Delta-8 THC market, that being that some Delta-8 THC producers will falsify lab results, also known as certificates of analysis, that they post online. We cover that topic and others in our discussion, including how COAs differ from state-mandated compliance tests, how the lack of regulatory oversight of Delta-8 THC products puts consumers at risk, red flags consumers can look for when reviewing COAs online, the recent increase in Delta-8 THC products, how the process of synthesizing Delta-8 THC from hemp may introduce contaminants that most labs are not testing for, and more. Before we get to my conversation with Evelyn, I'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, Encore Labs. Encore Labs is the premier cannabis testing facility licensed in California with ISO IEC 17025 certification. They offer statewide comprehensive analysis to cultivators, infused product manufacturers, distributors, providers, and dispensaries, not only for regulatory purposes, but also to characterize the unique aspects of your cannabis. Encore Labs is also a bronze sponsor for CanMed 2022, which we very much appreciate. For more information, go to Encore-Labs.com. Okay, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Evelyn Alvarez.
Good afternoon, Evelyn. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. Very excited to talk about these uh, very important topics for consumers. Yeah, about that. So you were quoted in a pretty wild article that came out last month on the website Refinery29. Um, I find the story concerning in a lot of ways, but uh, let's just start, I guess, with the general premise. So I don't know if, if you want to kind of explain how you got involved in all of this or if you want to, if you want to do that first and then sure, we'll yeah. into some of the concerns that it raises. Yeah. So uh, a while back we got an email to our, our lab uh, and Molly, the journalist from Refinery 29 was reaching out initially just asking some very straightforward questions about a uh, Delta A product that she was going to write a review piece on. Uh, when I started digging into the sample information, I realized that the reports were very clearly fabricated, just completely made up. Uh, when I reached back out to her with that information, she was pretty blown away as well. And that just kind of started a, a good back and forth between her and I, which ended up turning into this great piece by her. I, I mean, she really went down the rabbit's hole and uh, spoke to many different people in the industry, you know, from researchers to regulators, it turned into be a, a good highlight for, for everyone, you know, for consumers, especially in terms of safety. Yeah, exactly. So, so basically Molly had taken this Delta THC, Delta eight THC gummy and had a pretty intense experience, right? More intense than she was expecting or that was advertised. And so she, she went to the website and looked at the COA that was listed there, um, as many of these products have. And she looked at it, everything looked good, less than 0.3%, THC, no residual solvents, everything looks good. But she goes one step further and actually reaches out to the lab. How, how common is that? Do consumers actually reach out to your lab to confirm a COA that they see online? Prior to Delta-8, not very common. Mm. <laughs> now that Delta-8 products have, have become more and more popular, we've gotten a lot more inquiries to, to our line. And it's, it's good. It's good that people are asking these questions. That, you know, there unfortunately is fabrication out there. Um, there's unfortunately not enough education about what these products are and what uh, regulations, if any, <laughs> right. that there are. So the, the more that people can call in and ask us questions, you know, we're, we're happy to help essentially relay the data to them. We, we can't go into safety in terms of the physician's end of things, but we can interpret the results. Right. So I guess before we get too deep into it, can you briefly explain sort of what a COA is and why is it important for cannabis users and patients in terms of product safety? Yeah. So uh, COA, simply put, is a summary of the results of testing performed on the product. Uh, so COA stands for Certificate of Analysis depending on the number of tests requested, it can tell you a lot about a product. So uh, it's cannabinoid profile, you know, how potent it is, how much THC or CBD is in it. It's terpene profile. Uh, we test for a lot of harmful things, um, things like pesticides, heavy metals, residual solvents, 
microbials, mycotoxins, um, all of those are important in terms of safety. If we detect one of those harmful compounds, you know, you shouldn't be consuming it. Um, just the potency profile alone is super important for the consumer. Uh, if they are purchasing these CBD or, or Delta A products, how do they really know that that's what is in the product? Or how do they know that it doesn't contain Delta 9 THC? Um, I've heard of situations where people consume CBD products and then end up failing a drug test. Uh, you know, maybe if they would have gone one step further to look for, for the report, it could have helped. Um, but even uh, more importantly for patients that are trying to dose, if they want to make sure that what is labeled on the container is actually what it contains so that they can have accurate dosing for whatever it is that they're trying to, to focus on. Exactly. And so, so these COAs that the manufacturers put up on their websites, it seems like a lot of the things that they're testing for is similar to what you would do for compliance testing for products that are on a dispensary sh shelf. Is that, is that fair to say? Is it, is it really the same battery of tests that are done for these COAs? Is it, does it depend on what the manufacturer requests? What are the differences between the two types of tests? That is a very important question. Uh, it really depends on what they are requesting for testing. Um, for compliance testing here in the state of California, there are very specific regulations that we follow, uh, really from the beginning of testing to the end. And, and I can kind of get into that. Um, how the sample arrives to the lab, and this is important, for a compliance sample, we are required to send one of our trained samplers out to uh, the facility, and we are required to sample something that is unbiased and representative. And there are a lot of other requirements, say, the larger the batch size is, the larger sample we pull. So even just getting to the lab, a compliance one is, is something that we picked. Uh, we refer to non-compliant samples as R&D, so things like CBD and Delta-8 that are submitted. Uh, those don't have any requirements. Manufacturers can send them in. Um, they can drop them off. They can cherry pick if, if they still wish. Uh, it's unfortunate, but they do. Um, so number from the get-go, you're getting something potentially different than what you're buying because of how it was submitted. Uh, when it gets to the lab, that was a great question that you asked, what kind of testing is performed? So for compliance testing, we perform the whole gambit that the state requires. So a lot of what I mentioned earlier, pesticides, mycotoxins, heavy metals. However, for these non-compliance tests, it's whatever the manufacturer requests. So if they're only concerned about cannabinoid profile, that is the only thing that we test because they have no requirements. Um, so if it did have something harmful, since we're not testing for it, there's really no way for that to be communicated to anyone. Um, yeah, besides that, and sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. And, and then, and furthermore, even if that were requested by the manufacturer, um, uh, say mycotoxins or heavy metals or something like that, 
if you report that back to the manufacturer, is there any mechanism for that to be reported also to some sort of regulator or anyone to make sure that that product still doesn't make it to the market? Like I assume is in place for compliance testing. Yeah, another huge difference. There is no requirement for that information to be submitted anywhere else than to the person that requested it for anything that is non-compliance. For our compliance results, the state has really specific regulations. When, when we finish and approve the results, we're required to simultaneously report it to the distributor, the, the people who submitted and requested the testing, to the state of California, the Department of Cannabis Control, and we have to upload it to a system, uh, a track and trace system. Here in California, we use metric. And all of that keeps you know, digital <laughs> data for everything. So even if this uh, distributor tried to transfer it elsewhere, say to a retail shop, they won't be able to do that because those failed results are stuck with it. Um, right. And e even so, since we notified the, the Department of Cannabis Control, they're already going to take action on that. But for these non-compliant samples, um, those manufacturers really aren't required to do much. Uh, you know, maybe they're good actors and they're going to go back and remediate their batch and submit again for testing and then sell the product, but maybe they're not. And they're just going to uh, submit a different sample and still push it through elsewhere. Right. And you, and like you mentioned earlier, the fact that they can sort of submit samples that may not exactly be representative of an entire batch. Um, yeah. An issue as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there's really no way of knowing um, that what you're buying is what was tested for anything that's not in these state regulated um, areas. And another thing that you mentioned when I asked how common it was for consumers to actually contact you to verify results of a COA, you said it was more common now with Delta 8 THC. Yet I know that COAs have been in place for CBD products um, you know, in the past. So what is it about the Delta 8 THC products that are Causing more red flags, I guess. <laughs> um, I would imagine it is because of the mild psychoactive properties. Mm -hmm. So, say you bought CBD and um, say you bought CBD gummies, you may not necessarily get high, you may have some feeling, but probably nothing that's concerning. I think what happened with Delta 8 is um, you know, it's very new, so people don't know how to dose. Um, it's very new on the manufacturing end. So you also might be getting something that you weren't expecting. So if people are having a psychoactive reaction that they didn't expect, uh, that is more cause for concern of like, what did I just take? You know, like, let me dig into this. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the times the calls that we get are after the fact, not before. So right. after they've consumed it. And so how often are those inquiries, do they, does it come up that they may have used a product that had a, a fake COA or, or one that's been modified? Is it, is it increasingly common? Um, I can't say increasingly, and, and even for the common, um, for the number of calls that we get, 
it, it's actually hasn't been as common. Okay. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, I also don't know how many people go to that extent. You know, someone may buy a product, look up the report, find it, and think, okay, this looks fine. Um, so there, there could be a lot out there that we just don't know about. Right. But like you said, you, you encourage people to reach out to you um, to confirm that these results or is it, is it becoming overwhelming? <laughs> Uh, you know, on some days we, <laughs> we do get a good amount of calls, but we definitely do not want to cut that off. You know, we're, we are a cannabis testing lab. We're not just going to hide behind our results. We're going to help. Absolutely. And I guess to that end, are there any red flags or maybe warning signs that people, if they're, if they are looking into a COA for a product that they had a, maybe a strange or unexpected experience with, are there some, some indicators they can be looking for? Yeah. Um, this is a bit of a tough question because, uh, to, to the trained eye, like, uh, <laughs> me and, and our staff, we can quickly tell what's what, um, I guess the, main points that I want to pass on is most COAs have pictures of products. So if, if you pull up a COA and the product that you have in hand does not match what is on the report, that is a huge red flag. Right. Already they're just slapping on a QR code to a different product, assuming that you're not going to go to the extent of scanning it. Um, even on the pictures, we, we take the pictures in our lab. Um, we take some nice pictures, but don't expect uh, like a marketing photograph to end mm. up on a report that comes from our lab. You know, if it has a, a fancy background, that's that's going to be a red flag. You know, we we take very simple pictures. Um, I mentioned QR code, so QR codes are not only on products, but we also put QR codes on our reports, and a lot of other labs do as well. And um, this helps a lot because if you scan the QR code on the report, it actually takes you to uh, the website that we use to host our reports. So if you're pulling up a report, if you're scanning a QR code and it's taking you to some random website that doesn't pair up to what is on the report, that could be a red flag as well because that means they probably downloaded it, possibly changed something, uploaded it elsewhere because they can't upload it anything to our site. It, it's only mm. what we upload ourselves. Um, if it is missing a QR code, that could be a red flag as well, depending on where it's coming from. Um, but other than that, it's a lot of kind of minuscule differences that would be more so caught by us than anyone else. No, but the one with the fact that the report is most likely going to be hosted on the lab's website, that that I think is a, is a pretty good indicator right there. So if, it, if it's a PDF uploaded to the manufacturer's website, that's probably a little more concerning than if it's going to EncoreLabs.com, correct? It, it may or may not be. Um, some, some do download it and, and re-upload it very directly without changing everything. But let's say they, uh, they did do that and you scan the QR code, as long as it still goes back to our hosted website, um, that, that would be fine. And as long as the one that you're looking at on their website isn't any different than the one that's on our website, that right. would be fine. 
um, we do, we use a limb system that's called Confident Cannabis and here in California, actually across the, the nation, a good amount of labs use that website as well. So that's a common one that you would see reports on. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So I want to talk a bit about Delta TH, Delta 8 THC specifically too, because you did mention that, you know, folks are still not really familiar with how these products are manufactured and how kind of the differences in how they're manufactured could introduce other concerns. Um, I was wondering if you could start maybe briefly explaining what the process is for creating these products and then you can go from there. Yeah, uh, I don't have hands-on experience with this part, more so just on the testing, but just kind of very briefly, um, they're not extracting it from the hemp plant. There's not enough Delta-8 naturally occurring in the, in the hemp plant to do that extraction, like would be normal for CBD or THC. Um, what is actually being done is a CBD isolate, which has had an overstock because of the, the hemp legalization. They're taking the CBD isolate and they're introducing a catalyst. So uh, a lot of the times it's a combination of acid, uh, solvents, and heat and they are converting CBD into Delta-8 THC. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's an isomerization process. It's a conversion. It's not an extraction. Right. Um, and so I guess in general, how do sort of Delta-8 THC products compare to the more dispensary grade products that you test in your lab. I mean, I, I know I saw one article recently out there and someone was calling some of these Delta-8 THC products bathroom gin. Um, <laughs> is, that, is that something that you're seeing? It, how, how do they compare to, to things that are coming from the regulated market? Uh, you know, unfortunately, because they don't have all of the required testing, mm. we don't have as much data points. So a, a lot of it is kind of ignorance is bliss. You know, they may have solvents, but since they're not required to do all this testing, we don't have those data points. Um, in, in terms of cannabinoid potency, we have some pretty consistent products that we see with 90 plus uh, potency. So uh, what I mean by say, to say by that is uh, if we have a, an oil that is coming from a Delta-8 cartridge, we're seeing that it has uh, greater than 90% of only Delta-8 THC in there, which is pretty comparable to some of the, the Delta-9 THC products. Um, we see a good amount of gummies and a good amount are hitting the targets that are labeled and um, you know, visibly a gummy looks like a gummy mm. <laughs> overall. Um, but I think what's really difficult for, for the consumer uh, is that Delta-8 THC is, is, as a primary cannabinoid is, is new. Uh, so the effects are, are different. The effects are different from person to person. Um, that is something that needs to be studied more. Absolutely. And 
Yeah, I, I just keep coming back to the, just the process of synthesizing Delta 8 THC and how that can just introduce all these other, you know, residual sol solvents or other compounds that you wouldn't traditionally see if you were doing just a, a straight extraction of sort of naturally occurring compounds in the plant. And it sounds yeah. like a lot of these manufacturers aren't even going as far as what's what's commonly performed on products in California to maybe even capture those additional compounds that come with the the process of creating delta 8 THC. So that's a that's a little concerning. It is. Yeah. And another key point to make on that is the testing that we perform is based on the California regulations, which were based on the knowledge of historical THC manufacturing. So, so these lists that they create, especially for like solvents, you know, we're looking for butane and that's a very common extraction solvent, but what is common for, for Delta eight THC is kind of still being figured out. There's a, a, a lot of, different extraction methods that are being tested. So even if we test for residual solvents with that California list, it's not gonna encompass all of the potential solvents that they could use. Right. Yeah, I just, <laughs> the whole Delta ATHC <laughs> thing really concerns me just because I feel like that there are so many, so many great growers, manufacturers in the regulated space that have all these regulatory hoops that they need to jump through and are doing things the right way and you know have gained a lot of trust in the marketplace for people to to trust cannabis products and now we have this new compound that's coming out it's unregulated folks are not testing for the things that they should and i i worry that they're going to sort of erode the public trust a little bit with with cannabis products because um, they're not doing things the right way. Yeah, I would definitely agree with all that. It's it's not to say that there aren't um, companies that have good manufacturing practices sure. and that sure. are doing a, a good amount of testing and, and have transparency, but there's a lot of bad actors that are completely taking advantage of, of this uh, seemingly gray area, you know, that is up for interpretation. But um, yeah, I, I mean, a couple states have already taken action outlawed and and we'll kind of have to see what the continuing regulatory landscape turns into for this but um i guess another thing to worry about is even if delta 8 becomes outlawed or, or included in regulatory schemes who's to say that that the next cannabinoid isn't gonna become the next trend you know right. delta 10 thc sure so um We'll really have to see how this evolves, but I, I mean, on our end, the main thing is um, for consumers is continue to ask about testing uh, from the manufacturers, continue to push for that, because if there's no regulatory push, then it has to come from the consumers. Yeah, agreed. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that some states have taken to to banning Delta ATHC instead of what you suggested, you know, maybe sort of bundling it in or including it with um, with the with the legal market and kind of letting sort of these, like we've said, these established um, operators who are operating within the regulated market, making sure that you know they're maybe the ones that are that are bringing these Delta ATHC products to market instead of these new actors who may be just um, 
sort of trying to make a buck. Not and like you said, not to say that there aren't <laughs> some good ones out there, but it it seems yeah. at least it seems to me as a consumer, a potential consumer, it's hard for me to be able to suss out who are the good and the bad actors if if folks are sort of um doing what they're doing with the COAs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um and yeah, so just in general with with Delta HEHC testing, how much has that grown in the past 12 months because it seems like it's really exploded as uh, as of recently. Yeah, it has. Um it, it definitely hasn't taken over a, a majority of our testing. We really still focus on on our compliance testing and uh supporting R&D testing that that supports that compliance testing. But um you know, a, a year ago, if you asked us about Delta 8 THC, it was it was a, a minor cannabinoid that mm. occasionally came up because uh, someone didn't treat their their normal THC distillate well. Uh, but now, you know, we're, we're seeing a good variety of products come through that are solely for for Delta 8. And, um, you know, some days we, we see 10 to 15 percent of, of our R&D testing is solely from Delta eight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so maybe this is a good point. I know we're coming up to the end of it. Um, maybe if you could tell us a bit about Encore Labs, what you guys do and um, how people can learn more about you guys. Yeah. So um, we are a licensed cannabis testing lab here in California. Um, different states obviously have different uh, regulations if it has become legalized. So in California, you have to be licensed to test for these compliance tests. Uh, we are ISO accredited as well. So that's kind of uh, a big thing for us and to educate the consumers on the differences between ISO accredited labs and non-ISO accredited labs. We have to go through an accreditation process um, that encompasses a, a huge list of requirements and we have met that so if you're looking at a coa that is actually another thing to look for are mm. the testing labs being used iso accredited are they licensed by your state if they're not then there could be more questions on the lab producing the results um so we are located in pasadena california and we feel like we have a very uh, strategic location for the cannabis landscape. Um, we've been here since 2018 and have really grown with uh, our experience and with our team. And um, we're always looking for opportunities to educate consumers and um, to partner up with different companies to, to push for testing. Absolutely. And you're located in Pasadena, California, which is where our KMED conference yes. is going to be. So that's, uh, it's great that we're very happy to have you guys on board as a bronze sponsor. And um, I think if you're looking to partner with companies that are looking to, to educate you, you've come to the right place. Yeah. So, all right, Evelyn, thank you so much for taking the time today. And like I said, we're really looking forward to, to seeing the team out there in Pasadena for KMED. Yeah, thank you for having us. And uh, reach out to Encore if you have questions on reports. Absolutely. I'll put a, a link to your website and your social media and everything in the show description so people can find you. Great. Thank you. All right. Thanks.
hope you enjoyed my conversation with Evelyn Alvarez. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to Encore Labs for sponsoring this episode. Our next podcast drops September 29th, which sadly would have been the first day of CanMed 2021. But fear not, we'll be back with another great podcast episode for you to tide you over until May. Speaking of tiding you over until May, please do check out our Facebook community group. Just search for CanMed. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. That's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Just search for CanMed events. Also, be sure to check out our CanMed archive on canmedevents.com. It's an unbelievable free resource that has all of our past CanMed presentations going back to CanMed 2016. It's all searchable and it's all free. Please do check it out. Okay, what more can I say? Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and stay safe, stay healthy, and be sure to come back for the next CanMed Coffee Talk.